Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. Today we are going to be talking about Acts chapter 21, and I just have a couple of notes for you. First of all, there is a funny break into Acts 22. It comes in the middle of a, you know, like a conversation and a story, almost in the middle of a paragraph. And so when I sat down with Pastor David Miles, he went halfway back into chapter 21 and Gave, gave such great content about chapter 21, and then we ended up going for longer than we usually do for a podcast episode. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you the first half of our conversation today for chapter 21, and the second half of our conversation tomorrow for chapter 22. Something that David Miles references is Dr. Nick Fox giving us the Greek connection and going deeper into a Greek word. And Pastor Miles and I talked about it, and I had told him that we had the word ethnos coming up in chapter 26. And so I'm going to give you a little sneak peek of what Dr. Nick Fox has to say about the word ethnos because Pastor David Miles is going to reference it in our conversation today. And then I also wanted to let you know, he gives a lot of great Bible study content. There are going to be a lot of verses that he shares. And so all those verses are going to be in the show notes. I also wanted to let you know that he's reading from the ESV translation of the Bible. And so to make it a little bit easier to follow along, you may want to follow along in the ESV. What you'll hear first is Dr. Nick Fox telling us about the word ethnos, and then we're going to go into my conversation, the first half of my conversation, with Pastor David Miles. Ethnos. It means nation, people, or famously in the New Testament, it means Gentile. So the ethnoi are the Gentiles. We see it 43 times in Acts. Not a surprise that it shows up that many times. Uh, in the book of Acts, 162 times in the New Testament. So you think about a quarter of the, a little bit over a quarter of the occurrences of this word in the New Testament are in the book of Acts because that mission of taking the gospel to the Gentiles, uh, of, you know, not just Israel anymore. Certainly Israel is still key to what God is doing, but the the scope is being expanded to Gentiles. Uh, the outsiders, historic outsiders to the things of God, are now being welcomed to join the party, to come uh, join the feast. And Paul is kind of a classic example of that. He is a Jewish rabbi, but ironically, he gets sent to tell the gospel to the Gentiles. And we see some cool scenes of Paul engaging with Gentiles. He goes to the Areopagus, the, uh, you know, the, the Ares Rock or Mars Hill, and is going to debate with Stoic philosophers in Athens, you know, who are, you know, atheists, who are not so much atheists, I guess, more agnostic, they're polytheists, that sort of thing. Paul is not going to be scared to take the gospel of Jesus to uh, those sorts of people, the Gentiles, who have all sorts of varying beliefs. Uh, Paul is going to come and proclaim Jesus to them in a loving, encouraging, God's love for all humanity kind of way. And it's a cool thing to see. So ethnos means Gentile race, nation, people, etc. It's a great Greek word. I am delighted and so excited about my guest today. He is pastor of New Hope Church. He's an adjunct professor here at the University of Northwestern, and he is Pastor David Miles. Welcome. Thank you, Angela. So good to be with you. I'm so excited that you're here. We're- um, well, it's really neat today because we're going to be jumping into chapter 22 of Acts, and in this, it kind of uh, has uh, chapter 21 kind of leading into it. Um, what happens is uh, Paul... He, he's coming back from being with the Ephesian elders, and he comes to Jerusalem, 
And upon coming to Jerusalem, he goes and visit, visits James, you know, one of the leaders of the church. But then in verse 27, it says this, When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple— stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him. Now, what's really interesting about this, Angela, I had had the astute and wonderful Dr. D.A. Carson at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. And uh, we talked about, you know, why were the prison letters? How did the prison letters come to be? When people would ask you that question, what would you say? What, like why Paul was arrested? Yeah. Yeah. So it's preaching. He was arrested for preaching the gospel. Right. What else is, what's another reason why Paul was in prison? Uh, well, I was thinking about how sometimes people bear false witness against people. Yeah. The beautiful thing that you have noted, and I love about Scripture, and I love which is why you're doing this show, is we get into it and we see that God's Word tells us. So in verse 28, as Paul comes into the temple, there are people, the Jews from Asia, and for those who have been with the study, these are people from chapter 14, from Lystra, Derby, who stoned Paul. Well, they make the trip to Jerusalem and they stir up the whole crowd, lay, on, lay hands on him, and cry out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Verse 30, Then all the city was stirred up. And the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple. And at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribunal of the cohort that all of Jerusalem was in confusion. He had once took soldiers and centurions, ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up, arrested Paul, ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. Some of the crowd were shouting one thing, some another. And as he could not learn the facts, because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of the people followed, crying out, away with him. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, may I say something to you? And he said, do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then? who recently stirred up a revolt and led 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Sicily, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he'd given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hands to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense I now make to you. And when they heard what he, or that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. Angel, one of the things that's so fascinating about this passage is that you can see the other reasons why Paul eventually ends up in prison is because they presumed, as you said, bore false witness, that he had brought Trophimus, the Ephesian, a Gentile, into the temple. And so... As we go through the end of 21, you see just this incredible richness of culture and of ethnicity of, of, of the Jews being there and him, the, the tribune, are you Greek, are you Egyptian, the government saving him and the like. And so you see this incredible richness. And then what happens is, is that Paul goes into his testimony from chapter 9 and he's like, I'm a Jew. 
born in Tarsus in Sicily, but brought up in the city, educated at the Ivy League feet of Gamalia, according to the strict manners of our law and fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day, I persecuted this way to death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. And the high priest of the council said, dude, go for it. You know, Paul basically became a modern-day slave slave catcher. I mean, he just went off for these people. And he goes on to, to do the rest of the chapter to recount chapter 9 of meeting Jesus on the Damascus Road. And, you know, Jesus is like, I'm Jesus of, of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. That's who you are. And then he comes down to verse 20, and he's saying to his brothers, And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. Verse 21, and he, Jesus, said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles, period. Verse 22, up to this word, singular, they listened to him. Then they raised their voice and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for you should not be allowed to live. Angela, what was that word? Gentile. Gentile. Yes, that word Gentile. The fact that Paul had brought Trophimus, an Ephesian, they thought, into the temple, that seems really, really crazy. But then you think about like the oldest gospel is Mark. And you know the story, Jesus comes in and he cleanses the temple in Mark eleven seventeen. And as he was teaching them, saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you've made it a den of robbers. Now, we want to go back to this. Is it not written is in the perfect tense, meaning is it, has it not been written and is still in effect that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. That word nations, as Dr. Nick Fox has noted, is uh, Gentile. It's the word ethnos from which we get our word ethnicity. And he says, shall, but you've made this into a den of robbers. So okay. Jesus shows up and the place is just scattered. But listen, they were in the court of Gentiles. And the court of Gentiles was the only place where Gentiles could come. Upon pain of death, they could not go into the court of women. So Gentiles were not able to go into, into the court of women. And the women could not go into the court of Israel. And the court of Israel, you cannot go into that inner court, and, and only the high priests could do so. And so that's the beautiful thing about the day that Jesus has died, because the veil in the temple is torn what? From top to bottom. From top to bottom, which makes an important part. And we're going to just take a little step here to the book of Ephesians, because this is contextually in what we're dealing with. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, which is really the hinge passage, Paul writes to the Ephesians. He says, therefore, remember at one time, you Gentiles, you ethnos in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by flesh and hands. And Paul in this passage, when he talks about uncircumcision, it's really a a derogatory slur. But when he talks about circumcision, he uses kind of like a, a high English He says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Like this is B.A.D. bad. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
And Paul's using this imagery of the temple. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, that hostility of the veil being broken, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinance that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, Jews and Gentiles, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came to preach peace to you who were far off, Gentiles, and peace to you who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are now no longer strangers and aliens, but we were in verse 11 and 12, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together to be a dwelling place for God by the spirit. So what's anathema to the ending of chapter two is when Dr. King said that 11 o'clock is the most segregated hour mm, on a Sunday. Because God is saying, no, I'm taking Jews and Gentiles. Now, we have to stop for a moment. Because when we think of, of Jews, we often think of Ashkenazi Jews. Ashkenaz is one of the sons of Japheth, also kind of Hebrew for German. So we think of, we think of Central European uh, Jews. Mm-hmm. And so we think of Hasidic Jews. We don't keep in mind that there are Sephrahim, Mizraim, Bet, Ethiopian, Coptic Jews. And actually, in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10, when God is talking about bringing back those people scattered, most of the areas that he's listing are African and Asiatic countries. Hmm. And there's actually not a lot said about Japheth in Scripture. Why do I bring this up? Because sometimes we culturally import ourselves into the text. We often think that we're the Jews and never Egypt, you know. Um, that we're the three Hebrew boys and not the people, you know, bowing down, that, you know, you know we're the disciples. Like we're not the Pharisees. Right. We're not the Pharisees. And so what happens is we kind of import this. So there's a picture that's one of the most famous pictures known. It's called Salzman's Head of Christ. If I were to say, close your eyes and think of Jesus, the image of Warner Salzman, who was a Swedish evangelical covenant brother, drew this picture in 1940. It's been reproduced over a billion times. Here's something that struck me that was interesting, Angela. About a year or so ago, it hit me. What's the second commandment of the Ten Commandments? You shall not make any graven images. images. Okay? Well, Pastor David, you know, that's not really a big deal. No, think about this. In the Old Testament, the presence of God existed above the mercy seat. Jesus said... Those who worship God worship him in spirit and in truth. And so in some ways, we've been kind of importing, though comforting to ourselves, this kind of image of idolatry. I mean, if it would be biblical about it, it's not really comfortable. So what happens is a lot of people end up saying things like Jesus is white. And it's like when you look at Scripture, you know, Jesus is a Middle Eastern man And so when you realize that it's Jesus of Nazareth, not Jesus of Norway, but Jesus came to save and die for Norwegians, of which I'm from Grand Forks, North Dakota, so I think of myself as a chocolate Norwegian. I like lefse with butter and brown sugar. Mm -hmm. 
So when we're having conversations, when people come and say, hey, I want to have a biblical conversation with you about race, the first thing I'm telling them is you're not having a biblical conversation because the Bible does not use the word race the way we do. Mm. There's three uses of the word race in the New Testament. There's stadia, from which we get the use of stadium, 192 meters. There's traco, which means to run the verb. Both of these are in 1 Corinthians 9, 23 and 24, you know, running the race, that. Mm-hmm. And then Aegon in Hebrews twelve three, let us run the race course or race track set before us. So here, when it talks about people, it talks about them being Gentiles or nations or ethnos. That that's what we're speaking of. So there's this important thing. So a lot of people. So you, I'm, I just yeah. want to ask a question. So you're making a distinction between race and ethnicity. Is that what I'm yes. understanding? Well, I'm saying that if you're having a biblical conversation. Race is actually a sociological construct that's really happened in the last 400 years to give justification for the enslavement and exploitation of people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's and and it actually means it has in mind people groups racing against each other. So biblically, when they're talking about people groups, they're using ethnos, they're using goyim, they're, you know, uodim for Jew. Old Testament would talk about zera, which meant seed or offspring. In the New Testament, we use sperma, from which we get sperm. So there's different uses that aren't what we come to mind. So then we start to look at Scripture in a way so that when we're having conversations today about ethnocentrism or race, people are like, you're being woke. It's like, no. What does the Great Commission say, Angela? Matthew 18 Go into all nations and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. All nations. All nations. So so go, therefore, make disciples, pasta ethne, of all the ethnos, mm. baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I've commanded. COVID taught us something. It is possible to teach people at a distance. Baptism is a proximal issue. So if you're having to baptize people as part of the Great Commission, but you're called to make disciples of all the nations, that means that the people that you're going to be around are from all the nations. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, And be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Make disciples of all nations, all ethnos. I am loving this conversation with Pastor David Miles. I hope you are enjoying it as well. It was hard to find a place to stop because there's just such good information that he's sharing. But tomorrow I will share the second half of our conversation for Acts chapter 22 So thank you so much for joining us today for Acts chapter 21. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And we'll see you next time for Acts chapter 22. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com. 